0: Hi good people and welcome to Black Women and Wellness, a podcast amplifying the voices of Black women, bringing wellness to their communities. My name is Rachelle Heath, the creator and host of this series. And today I have a really beautiful interview for you with Venice Williams. A creator, innovator, and critical thinker, in 2020, Venice Williams made the decision to leave her career in education to explore various avenues that can bridge the many desires she has. She is now living in Costa Rica and is enjoying her experience living abroad. Venice desires to advocate for and expose young people to education through travel, expanding resources, and dismantling stereotypes while replacing it with knowledge, understanding the importance of preserving cultural heritage. Her altruistic energy and outgoing personality has proven to inspire everyone she meets, feeling authentic, intentional relationships. Venise strongly believes traveling is not only a quick getaway from the bustle of everyday living, it can be a getaway to transformative healing. As a black woman, Venise regards exposure as a key element in the process of unlearning. She is excited to engage and connect with others and to share her lessons along the way. In Benissa's spare time, you'll find her taking pictures, exploring Costa Rica and other Latin American countries, creating playlists, writing, and curating experiences. Now, let's get into this conversation. All right, everybody, I am here with Denise Williams, we're gonna get into this interview, but before we do, I have a few caveats. We are actually face-to-face, which I always love being able to do, Um, but that does mean that the sound is gonna be a little bit different. Uh, We are also at my home, so you Mm -hmm. may hear some of the ambient sound around me. My uh, favorite wild birds of all time, the chickens are doing their thing, so if you hear uh, something, that sounds like a chicken. It is a chicken. It is not me <laughs> dropping in sound effects for your benefit. Um, so, you know, just putting it out there. Y'all know what it is. This is, you know, me doing my thing. So it's the sound that we have. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm always excited to have people in
1: person. And uh, how you doing, Benice? Hey, I'm so excited to be here. I'm doing good. good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So I did your intro
0: um, before and okay. I'll always like to record those beforehand, but I also always like to give people a chance to introduce themselves okay. to the audience. Okay. Um, so would you share with the people uh, what you do in the world of wellness? Hey,
1: so my name is Denise Williams and I have been on this sabbatical turned lifestyle journey um October will be three years oh wow three years I cannot believe that I still wake up every day here in Costa Rica like wow this is a dream that I wrote out on a post-it note and it's now coming to life so what I do right now is I am a collaborator um I work on various different projects with different entrepreneurs from around the world, some of them new, some of them friends and family, and just really right now just trying to find my space, trying to find where, where do I want to be, where, what, what, it, what feels right for me in this moment. So um, I am a collaborator for the unlearning space which is an organization that focuses on healing and well-being and also helping navigate people through their journey of um, becoming anti-racist and so yeah that's that's what i'm doing right now so pretty much figuring it out and contributing my gifts to those around me, <laughs> Amen.
0: That is what we like to uplift here on this podcast. So thank you for you know laying it out for everybody. Um, and you know, I met you when uh, we were both in a social club together, and we hit it off. And I've just enjoyed watching your journey, like on the sabbatical turn lifestyle. And you, a lot of people, I think, are seeking that liberation from you know these kinds of really strict work structures that have been oppressive in a lot of ways, especially to black people, especially to black women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, I wanna take it back to your beginnings and, you know, what kind of frameworks were in place when you were growing up and when you were younger that led you to a place to be able to release yourself um, and start
1: the sabbatical turn lifestyle? Oh, good question. So, I've always been a leader, always been ambitious, and uh, always had a love for teaching people. So my background is education. I remember being five years old and asking my family for Christmas. I wanted stickers, workbooks, pencils, uh, the lined paper, the old school paper. The colorful. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yes. And um, I would love to just, teach my brothers. And so I have always had the desire and passion to teach something. And so from there, that led me into the world of education. Always wanted to be, a it was either a teacher or a veterinarian. Okay. And so I went with teaching. And so I gave the education world 14 years of of my life. First part was a sixth grade science and math teacher And then I ventured off to middle school, taught science there, and then I went to the high school level. And I really think when I got to high school, that's where life really started to change for me Mm career-wise. And so ninth grade biology teacher, and then I switched over to college career and skills. So helping young people identify what was going to be their post-secondary aspiration once they left high school. Mm -hmm. And then I left the classroom And because I felt like I wanted to give make more impact and not just be solidified to one school. So I went into the nonprofit uh, sector, became a coach for teachers, a coach for students that were identified as least likely to enroll or persist. So Mm -hmm. a success coach, essentially. Mm -hmm. And throughout that time, if anyone is in education, you know that you literally have to have a passion for it. You have to have a passion for it. I mean, you have to desire it when you wake up in the morning, whatever it is, you have to have a passion for it. And um, I begin to feel my passion leaving. Yeah. And that was contributed to many different things, systems and structures. It's never the kids. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Never before the kids. Preach it
1: to the choir. It's never the kids, but <laughs> systems and structures, you know, I felt very stifled, felt like I wasn't really maximizing my, my greatest potential and went to a yoga class in 2019. And mm-hmm. I did not like yoga before then. You know, I went with one of my girlfriends. It happened to be a 6 a.m. class. So the mood is different during a 6 a.m. class. Yeah. Um, everyone was quiet. Everyone was meditating and praying, doing what they do individually. It was a diverse crowd. It wasn't just white women, Um, it was everyone. And so I remember that day just looking to the left, looking to the right of me and we did a move and I just cried. Mm And it was a type of cry. I'm a, I'm a crier. Those of you that know me, you already know. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So, and and I own that superpower and, but this cry was different. This was like a release and we were already in hot yoga. So, you know, it just mixed in with the sweat already. And I literally exhaled and said, I don't want to work anymore. Mm and when i say that it's not that i didn't want to do any type of work it was just like the work that i was doing at that current time it didn't have any it, like it wasn't fulfilling me the mm-hmm. way i wanted to be fulfilled and so that night uh that day i think it was that next day i went and i was learning how to meditate went and did my miles at the park and writing in my journal and i wrote out june 30th of 2020 I am leaving my current position with or without something next. Wow. August 30th on my rooftop, wrote out on a pink post-it note (laughs) what my sabbatical was going to be. And my sabbatical on that post-it note was I was going to be leaving, which is traveling around the United States before I began to travel internationally. Mm -hmm. And so I've always wanted to learn Spanish. And to travel to Latin American countries. Fast forward to twenty twenty, January of uh, January twenty twenty, came to Costa Rica. This was my second time here. I actually did not like Costa Rica my first time coming. I didn't either. I did not. <laughs> uh, when you go to Mexico first, yeah, yeah, and then you go to Guatemala, like you know what I mean. Like it you was can just hear a, it's like, oh uh, okay, this is this is cool. All right, so. Um, actually was just one of those countries that was like, all right, cool. I did that. Done it. Mm-hmm. Came back in January of 2020 and then here in Guanacaste. And, you know, obviously it was a six year difference. So I'm a different person now, yeah. but the vibe was just different. Where I was was different. And I remember my friends saying, when you quit your job, you can come back and stay with us until you figure out what's next. Wow. And that was just life-changing because many people don't know this. Actually, the month before I wrote out on a Post-it note, I wanted to fall in love with a Latin American country so that I could be able to go to to start this journey of learning Spanish. Mm -hmm. And here it is. It was the beginning of me falling in love with Costa Rica. And here it is. My friends were just like, you can come back. And so January 31st, I left Costa Rica. January 31st of 2020, left Costa Rica. Called my parents and my brothers on February 1st and asked them for their blessings. Started out the plan. Pandemic happened. Borders were closed. All of those things happened. Still left my location. I was living in Houston. Went back to Ohio. Stayed there for four months in October 22nd, 2020. I landed in Costa Rica and the journey began for the sabbatical turn lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, This was only supposed to be a 90 day thing. I didn't know anything beyond 90 days. And so in December, I ran into a lady and she asked about my story, how I got here. And she's like, oh my gosh, have you met any black women? And I said, no, Mm -hmm. where are they at? And so she told me about the Black Girls Social Club and mentioned a couple of people, connected with them. Long story short, that Sunday I was at their home and just got to see other members of the social club in Costa Rica. And it felt so good. It was on a Sunday, which is one of my favorite days, days to be with family and friends. And it just felt really good. And I remember looking around like, wow, this is what exposure means. Mm -hmm. Like I see women that look like me that are speaking this language, that have their families, that have partners here in another country, they're doing well, like, I can do this. How do I get here? Mm -hmm. And I remember riding back to my house and crying in the car and being like, this is freedom. Like, this is it, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna stay in Costa Rica. And so um, one of the ladies helped me find a place. And April 6th, I moved into my own place in Costa Rica. And so. I'm still here <laughs> yeah. and it has been amazing. So that is my journey in yeah. short of how I got to this place of liberation and freedom. And it's it's a constant journey, right? Like um, every day I'm unpacking. And uh, that's been a really big part of my journey too, is um, not only has this been moving to different places, but a lot of healing has been going on. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I love that about your story that you've been so resolute about like being intentional with your healing and like the place that community has played in getting you to the space. And I'm wondering if you could like talk a little bit about the community that has been a support to you in this healing journey, in the sabbatical journey, and maybe some of the folks that have been like mentors or, or people that you've been studying in a way um, along the journey.
1: Family has definitely played a huge role. And when I say family, like, yes, that's mom and dad and my brothers, nieces and nephews and things, but I have like villages all over this world that um, it's funny because I feel like when I started this journey in general, when I told everybody, everyone was like about time. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't surprising to them that I was taking this next leap of faith to go internationally and the cheerleaders have always been there the all every everywhere i've lived everywhere i've been cheerleaders have always been there but i think what has been really interesting is that my first 10 days of being in costa rica i actually stayed by myself Mm -hmm. cried every day Mm -hmm. unplugged every day to really tap into who Venice is and so i was already doing some of that work in houston um but i really feel like my village have been the cheerleaders that have been pushing me along the way and now i have made it to a place to where i'm pushing myself Mm, mm -hmm. because i know who i am through these various times of just being alone like that that literally has been it um i'm a believer i talk to god all the time i pray all the time and so really my journey started with my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And so from there, you know, my communities just continued to get stronger. Some people had to go, I I, I knew where I needed to go. Um, and then coming to Costa Rica, being able to find black women that had commonalities, that was definitely a part of the process. And then it ended up expanding into just other people, I have a whole Costa Rican family that is supportive along the way as well. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely say like my mentors and my cheerleaders have been my family and friends. They they really have, there is no author that did it for me. Um, Family and friends have been the support. And I think my openness to allow good folks into my space and to believe that I deserve all of this has only expanded my heart even more.
0: Wow, that is really beautiful. And I think it's really important to highlight the importance of community. I think oftentimes when we feel like we're going to move to another country, we can feel like we're doing it by ourselves. And that's not the case if we all come together in support of each other and it's not a competition. It's, you know, I wanna see you shine as much as I wanna see myself shine. We can do amazing things for each other. Um, and you've kind of taken on that role for other people. Your your title is curator of experiences. And I, I want you to talk a little bit about how you came to, to claiming that title for yourself
1: and the work you do in that space. Yes, yes, yes. So curator of experiences, um, I feel like every day is an experience for me. So there's not like just one pinpointed thing. Um, I had a good friend tell me that, what if we just looked at every situation as an experience? And I really think that that conversation shaped my mind. Like, no, you're going to just experience this. All experiences may not be the best, but it is an experience, right? And those experiences actually give you tools to be able to navigate to the next experience. Um, so when I, we talk about curating, curating, I love to plan. I love to plan trips I love to plan experiences if you want to come to Costa Rica and you're like I want to go to the waterfalls I got you, you know, if you want to do cultural things I got you and so. um, When I think about my gifts and talents of building relationships and networks and being able to connect you know that's what this is all about when you're able to connect with somebody you're able to feel what they need and that has been one of my gifts to be able the ability to know what people need and so curator of experiences actually came about right after my last day of my my job when I when I left my job and I just said you know what I'm just getting ready to curate people's experience whatever that experience may be if that is curriculum if that is a podcast if that is traveling around the world i want to be a collaborative member and curating an experience for folks yeah
0: and i think what i've seen in your work is a big part of that curation as your photography and i would love for you to talk a little bit about how you see yourself in that space of, of photography. Also, what has been like for you to be present in that space as a Black woman? You know, we see a lot of travel photography that doesn't include people of color, period, right. uh, much less us. Um, so I'm just curious about how you came into that role and your experience with
1: it. Yes. Um, photography always have had an eye for just taking pictures and i mainly use my iphone as as my camera um and so photography and taking pictures has actually been a part of the healing journey and um, i take pictures specifically of myself sometimes to really dive deep into who i am because you can tell a picture A picture can tell a thousand words right like it's it's up to your interpretation of what that picture does. And so um, when I don't feel as adequate or when I'm feeling insecure, whatever it may be that doesn't feel the best, taking pictures literally brings life to me. Um, it could be a picture of this table right now, just based off of how I feel. And so I've been able to learn how to navigate emotions and thoughts through taking photographs. And so through there, I'm able to actually, I call myself a social uh, photographer. I always will have my camera. I love taking pictures when I'm with people and everything. And so I actually do take pictures of of people. And so um, one of my friends actually said to me, that you do a really good job of um, helping women who may not be as in love with their bodies, with themselves. You do a really good job of capturing great angles and truth uh, with them. And so that was something that I was honored to hear because, you know, I'm not taking and doing these things for, 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 for anything I'm doing it for myself. And so it's really Mm -hmm. cool how photography has healed me is healing me, but it's also healing others. And there are others that are following my journey as well. I like to call myself a photographer, storyteller, or a storyteller, photographer. So if you follow my Instagram, if you follow my, uh, stories, You'll see a story mm-hmm. in everything, and you will see colors. <laughs> yes. Colors. Colors is definitely something that um, I speak to. Yeah. So. And we'll make sure,
0: um, I say we, I always say we, it's just me. I will make sure that I drop of uh, Vanessa's IG in the show notes. So I do suggest that you follow her and check out her um, images. And I know I had the pleasure of having a photo shoot with you as well. And and I can agree that, you know, I felt seen in a way that I don't normally feel seen. Um, And what I also really love about the work that you do is because it's representing black women in a lot of cases um, in ways that make them feel beautiful and make them feel seen, you're creating a catalog of images of us that don't necessarily exist in spaces absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah um so that is very much appreciated and i i i love that you have so many different ways in which you're bringing this kind of element of wellness to communities you have your curation of experiences you have your photography but you also have your work at the unlearning space mm-hmm. and i'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you
1: do there and some of the projects that have have come through that space. Yes, so at the unlearning space, um, I started off as the social media narrative curator. So really tapping into what do we want to show the world um, on our social media platforms about the work that we're doing. So spent a lot of time um, thinking of content and creating, and then writing the sharing the story through pictures, essentially. So that's the job. Um, I am now transitioning into more of the facilitation aspects, so racial, racial healing circles, um, connecting with uh, potential partners. And so it's just been really cool to see the evolution of me. Mm-hmm just in this short amount of time i've um, been working with them learning and learning space for two years and how it started as just hey i like to take photos here we go let's do this and then now we're getting into more of um you know my my skills and my talents are are coming out in different ways and storytelling i love to do so the facilitation is a great way to share this story and to hear others so we can all come together and, you know, figure out ways to heal best, because that's the work that we're doing, healing work. And so I'm already doing the healing work, so might as well dive one in to do it with others that are doing the healing work. So I'm excited for, um, to see what partnerships we create this year, we have some exciting partners that we already have and exciting works coming up. So stay tuned for more. And I'm, I'm looking forward to facilitating. <laughs> You've been so intentional about moving in a
0: way that you are prioritizing yourself. And so, I'm, again, I'm wondering what advice, words of wisdom would you share with other women, Black women, people um, who are looking to make a change?
1: yeah great question start now like there is no i'm there is no the the perfect time is now and you're not too old you're not too young i just made 40 a couple of weeks ago hey, hey welcome to the 40 Party club, club yes. is everything Tell me. like it is Tell everything me. um i'm only in this thing for like two weeks but like it's it's been everything and so the first day is it, the, the shift it happened. was the shift it yeah, really absolutely. did no. it really it was the day after for me like okay. on my actual birthday i was like okay then the next day i woke up like i don't oh, care about nobody but me <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> yes, and, and this know. has been a long time coming for yeah. me um so what i would say is um You don't have to necessarily leave the country that you're in. You don't have to leave the state that you're in. But what you do have to do is you have to allow yourself to sit in it. Like you you have to, you have to carve that space. For me, because of my spirituality, like it happened for me with an interaction with God in 2017. Like while during Hurricane Harvey is my first hurricane experience. And I remember how blessed and fortunate me and everybody around me were and how we were kicking it, like having having a good time while other neighborhoods were being destroyed, while rain was constantly coming down. And I remember one night, it might've been the fourth night before, the, the night before the actual storm, the, the raining stopped and i remember having an interaction with god that was so real like it was like the spirit was in the room and it literally said stop running like you trying to make it to california because at that time i've always wanted to live in california that might happen one day anyways <laughs> um, but at that time you know it was cali on my mind and so it the spirit was just like you are trying to get to cali but you you have to change you because you have to take Denise everywhere you go and it was so strong and i heard it so clear and loud and that is where it started and so it has been difficult to figure out what to do with that information right and so for me meditation exercise. I'm talking about not hit, not lifting. I I eventually did lifting weights and things of that nature. But for me, just simply walking, just being in nature. And there are so many beautiful places around the United States that you can go to. And again, like everything that I'm talking about, you don't need to go to another country or another state or anything. Find places that meet you where you are right now and at that moment what met me was nature (laughs) and so i feel that is also a part of my story like nature has healed me like being in forms of nature being close to the water like if you have any water get there the water will talk to you the water will tell you what you need to know and also fun fact too um you know we have male and female energy, right? And so like mm-hmm. to be able to balance both of those, being in being in nature, being barefoot, like, like really feeling like you are a part of this space because you are. Mm-hmm. And I'm still constantly working on that journey. I'm further along than I started, but every day I have to tell myself, you belong, you belong. You know, there's that affirmation song, take up space, sis. Mm-hmm. And so take up space figure out what space you need to take up in order for you to begin this journey. And everybody's journey looks different, you know? I would love for it to be to the point where we don't have to go through traumatic experiences before we start beginning our healing process because we deserve to heal without the tr- the, the the added trauma. Absolutely. Like this is a god giving right, like this, we deserve this. And and I'm even getting emotions stirred up inside of me right now, because as I'm speaking to this podcast, like I'm speaking to myself, like you deserve this moment, like, mm-hmm. and breathing. <laughs> there is power in breathing. Yes,
0: absolutely. Like you literally
1: have to breathe to live. And so once you are able to get to that level of breathing, that's the sweet spot.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think, what 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 I,
0: I love so much of what you said, but what I love the most is that you don't have to wait until something breaks. Yes. To start doing the things that show your self-care. Correct. Um and you didn't when I met you, you 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 weren't a broken person. You were a person that was on a path to healing. Um And you've just been intentional about every step towards that healing. And I think it's beautiful again, to see someone who is so intentional. It's not that you are Pollyanna about life because you have dealt with your knocks, even here in Costa Rica. And I think you have taken those hard experiences that have happened and you have continued to be intentional about your healing through the methods that work for you your faith, being in nature, yoga, breathing. Um, And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about moving through those hard spaces. Yeah. Because that's where the real
1: work starts to happen, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, I think about this all the time, because I feel like we are all being prepared without us knowing that we're being prepared. Yeah. And that didn't hit me until um, my father passed uh, November 6th of 2021 in Houston, Texas, uh, a city that started my healing journey. <laughs> and it's so crazy, like that. that is just so beautiful and so Ah, it's just, it's just so beautiful to me. And, um, I remember my dad got to come, my mom and dad got to come to Costa Rica. Thank you. Oh, that was so wonderful. They got to come and they got to spend 10 days here in Costa Rica. And it was fabulous to, to, to have them here. And, um, 10 days later, my father passed away and, um, I was able to make it to Houston couple of days before he passed. And I just remember being like, wow, this is happening. Like, this is what this feels like, like, you know? And as messed up as it was, there was so much beauty in it because my squad from Houston, my sisters in Houston, they all showed up, you know, many of them went before me and they they showed up not just for me but on behalf of on behalf of our family so you know dad was surrounded by love we were surrounded by love and the day we got the call that you know basically was just like is is really you know what i'm saying happening like there's nothing else that the doctors can do i remember being like okay here we go and so My mentor had told me this too, that like, she went into autopilot mode and I feel like I went into autopilot mode and I know that that had a lot to do with just my background of being in education, Mm -hmm. trauma, like, you know, all these different things or just feeling like, man, you can't sit around and suck. You gotta, you gotta, you You gotta gotta move. You gotta move. You know, my mom is a mess. Like, you know, like I, I, I have to do this. Right. Like, so, um. I remember that moment and I remember my brother like saying, um, the night that my dad passed, he was just like, man, like dad prepared us, but didn't prepare us. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so we laughed about that and I'm just like, wow. And so talk about hard. I feel like this is something like my therapist said, you tattooed with this for life. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just a badge that you, that you get but this has been very difficult very difficult and i feel like um you know we we're in the second year of it and i i actually feel like it's getting harder Mm -hmm. yeah it's getting actually harder and so i have to be more intentional about my healing in my space because i see why people crumble yeah you know like from, from from things especially depending on your relationships and things of that nature and i was a daddy's girl, talked to him every day, even every, you know, days up and while while he was in the hospital. And so to be able to navigate this space of hardness, you gotta tap into this, like, you have to tap in. You have to tap in. And that's why I thank God every day for this journey of self-healing that started because if that journey wouldn't have started when it started, this probably would be a totally different conversation. Yeah. you know like and so i do believe that we are being prepared without us being prepared as long as you are being or as long as you're being you're, you're listening to the assignment
0: yeah and i i i've seen you <laughs> work through your grief uh, we've been together during mm-hmm. that time appreciate um, you likewise um If you all haven't guessed, we are friends, Um, (laughs) but you know, what I have loved seeing is the rituals that you have created to not just work through your grief, but to celebrate your dad. And I'm wondering if you could
1: share some of the things that you've done to, to kind of keep that connection. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so my dad was cremated. So I have his ashes. And um, the goal with the ashes are to uh, spread them when I feel them. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a person that vibes off of uh, I lead with heart. So I have to feel it first in order to do it. So dad's ashes came back in January. I got some more in February. So we we got a we got a nice little stash of dad and and i actually did spread dad's ashes the first time in february um took a trip to nicaragua for the day but um, went exploring beaches around um the border of costa rica and nicaragua and there was kite surfing going on and it was just a beautiful day i was at a new beach got to walk around and I just saw my dad's face and I was just like, ah, that. And so, you know, sprinkled a little bit for him, did it again at another space um, that was a fishing, uh, uh, where fishermen came to, to get their boats. And my dad loved to fish. And when he knew he was coming to Costa Rica, he wanted to fish. And so he didn't get the opportunity to the fish. So anytime I'm around people that are fishing or boats or whatever, I always think about that. And so I was able to spread him there. And so it wasn't sad; it was joyful. It was it was joyful. It was just like you here, Gene. Like you're here with me. I feel you. And I never forget our friend uh, Alma was with us, and uh, she was like, "Oh my gosh! Like did you need your individual time?" I said, "Nah, we we good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's good." And so. Um, then in March, I went to, uh, Samara and it was just, the vibe was great. I had great memories from, from, from my people that I visited there with, um, my homegirl that I was there with at the time and got to spread dad there as well. And I actually ended up leaving him. His, his, his there. Oh, he, so, it was so funny. We're riding back. Surf yes. Now. Listen, so we're riding back. I was like, <gasps> I left that, and my friend was just like, it's cool, he was chilling he wanted to be there right yeah. like you know so it's it's just those those are those are a couple of things, but I look at a lot of pictures and um I go back through the videos you know my family and friends are like you always taking pictures you' always taking pictures, but I have over forty thousand pictures and different albums for every person, so if you need pictures, let me know and so um celebrating him in that way, you know, making sure that I speak the joy that my dad brought, because he really did bring joy. He brought joy to us. And as difficult as it is with him not being here physically, like I was saying, like the hard part is tapping into the spirit, you know, Mm -hmm. you get to the point where it's just like, all right, I've been tapping, like, (laughs) but that's the beauty of this journey too, Mm -hmm. you know, like, knowing that you have a tool and knowing that you have to like tap into that tool each time to make things a little bit more comfortable. So celebrating my dad, um, I I appreciate you for even acknowledging that because I never thought about it that way. Right. Like it was just like, I'm not acting as dad is here and anything like that. It's just like more so like, no, my dad is, my dad leaving this earth is it gave me more permission to live more permission to live to to, just to be honest. Like it, it really was just like, all right, do it. You know, I have called a girlfriend. I have a, we have a group chat of those of us that have lost parents, the lost parents club, you know, it's a horrible club to be in, in general. But you know, one thing that, that I I'm able to do is, um, I'm able to just share that, like, no judgment or anything. And I remember telling a friend, like, man, life is so good. And even in the same breath, it's just like, wow, dad isn't here. And I always use this as an example of like, it feels like we went on a hike together and we hiked this mountain. We had a great time getting up there, helping each other. We get to the top. We take our selfies, take our pictures. We're like, oh, this is so beautiful. And I'm like, all right, dad, come on. Let's go get some food. And he's like, I can't go. Mm -hmm. You did it. You go. You go eat whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? Eat good. Make sure you choose good. You did this. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you made it and I got to see you. And so that's where the joy comes from. That's where the pain comes from, too. Because it's just like, man, like, how dope is that that my dad got to come? I ran into a guy on the beach and I was just sharing my journey with him. And he stared at me. And he got quiet and he said, your dad got to come and get a taste of heaven before going mm-hmm. to where he need to go. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how dope is that? Like that someone get to come to the vacation before the vacation. Yeah. yeah. And so that th- those are those are pain and joyous moments um, that that really, really stick with me. And I'm honored. Mm-hmm. I'm honored that they made it that he made it, you know, and, and um, he got to see me because we we all laugh and cry at the same time, like, boy, this would be different if he didn't make it here. Yeah. Because yeah. mom and dad have showed up to every state that I live, lived in. They, they've always been, the vi- visit. they've always visited just to make sure I was good. Yeah. So um, dad sent me off, you know what I mean? Like he went off right. And so it's only right for me to continue to move forward. Yeah. And I
0: think, we could, we could talk for hours. I know we can because we have, but um, I think that's a beautiful note to end the interview on. But I do have one final question for you and it's, it's a bit of a curveball, but I'm wondering if there is a question that you wish people would ask you.
1: Oh! The question that I wish people would ask me. Denise mm. mm-hmm. 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 Will you curate my experience and take photos while I am experiencing my experience?
0: Okay. All right. (laughs) I'm here with the plug. I love it. Um, Because that segues perfectly into my next
1: question, which is, where can people find you, Denise? <laughs> so right now, um, the only social media platform I have is, uh, well, I have Instagram and Facebook, but I am active on Instagram. And my handle is, she is underscore. And
0: that will be in the show notes. Um, and I'm wondering also, are there any projects that
1: people should be on the lookout for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of things that are brewing behind the scenes. So staying on the lookout for photography collections, for me actually sharing um, what I've been working on. I'm looking forward to different outlets that are going to be promoting it. So stay tuned for more of So She Goes. Yeah, wonderful. And best way to do that
0: is to follow um, Denise on IG. So we'll make sure we drop that handle in the show notes. We'll also drop some information about the unlearning space there so that you can check that out as well. Um, Thanks, ma'am. Thank you. I so enjoyed having that conversation with Denise. She is a wonderful friend and also an amazing storyteller. And y'all, that was just the tip of the iceberg. Her journey has been so beautiful to watch unfold. And if you want to continue to watch the journey, I strongly suggest you follow her on IG. Um, Her handle will be in the show notes. Um, And if you want to share your story with the pod, um, check us out. We are at blackwomeninwellness.com. If you want to get in touch with me about possibly being on the podcast or contributing to our blog, you can reach out at blackwomeninwellness at gmail.com. All that information will be in the show notes as well. Um, and thank you all for listening. I really appreciate that you all have supported this small but mighty podcast. And until next time, folks, be safe and be well.